0: Hello Alaska, this is Pat Race, and this is Matt Buxton, and this is a podcast about Alaska. And today we are going to talk about ping pong. Oh, I am so...
1: So over this, but <laughs> if we can put a button in this issue yeah. and move
0: on, I would be so happy. So here we are. We're moving on. This is kind of a ridiculous thing and probably one of those. This is like this falls into that category of things that I don't think anyone should be really talking about, but also everyone should be talking about. Um, and so I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of at, at war with myself over this. I'm annoyed that we're talking about it already. Um, but Me too. but, but I here mean, we are. So I
1: think if we could put a button in it that would be great because i I am also of the camp that this is like not the biggest deal in the world but also i think i've written about it like every single day and it's dominated has it been like the the, i've had the most like phone calls and text messages from like legislators and staffers of like all sessions so
0: (laughs) so okay (laughs) what what is this what happened give me in 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 the most concise terms sum it up (laughs) so this is i guess what has been called uh ping
1: pong gate Um, Basically, uh, a group of legislators, some aides, some uh, other people from outside the building, uh, like lobbyists, uh, governor staff, uh, um, a political writer, uh, got together on a Wednesday night and had what would, I think, pretty loosely be described as a party in the uh, Terry Miller buildings, and it's in the the gym of the, the Capitol building. So it's like this kind of miniature gym with ping pong tables so apparently they they at some point that night they got together played some ping pong shot some hoops drank some beers i think leg wrestled they did not play contrary to rumors uh beer pong is, is to sort of best i understand it and uh they apparently kind of like they let people who aren't covered by the building's covid precautions into the building, too. So that's, I think, the biggest sort of violation. But anyway, so that's sort of what happened. Apparently, they didn't clean up after themselves all that great. So somebody caught them in the morning. And then uh, the political, right-wing sort of political machine got involved. And it's sort of been this ripe sort of piece of outrage for a while now. And I think it's kind of really driven by sort of the, the sort of three main legislators sort of involved in this incident.
0: Okay. So are you going to tell me who was involved and how did I guess actually in wrapped into that question is, is, is how do you as a journalist decide, uh, who to name in a story like this? Yeah. You know, I,
1: I would, I am kind of of the opinion that like legislative staffers don't exist. In most cases and mostly because like <laughs> they are extremely useful sources don't you who live with a former will... legislative
0: staffer <laughs> yes
1: but so they, they they um you know i think there's kind of typically you sort of leave the staffers alone in the idea that they're helping you you know answer background questions and having them being able to talk off the record and that's kind of in the, in the traditional sort of you know legislative or traditional legislative reporting where you are talking about bills and that sort of stuff
0: right um this is a different area i think in a lot of ways but like like if a like let's say for example a legislative staffer punched someone in the face in a bar do they get named i think so yeah (laughs) okay but if a legislative staffer like does something like this like attends a thing maybe it's not maybe maybe you don't name that staffer yeah, I mean, I think, so a lot of the decisions were
1: made for everybody by Must Read Alaska that went ahead and, and kind of has been has been the sort of source of the machine of outrage over this whole thing, let's say, let's put it that way. Um, so they named everybody involved except for a couple people, which I thought was weird, which sort of led to me naming that other person who's not a staffer. Let's just say that. <laughs> but, but so I think in the normal course of things, I think that... Yeah, I don't think I would name anybody really involved in it, except for maybe the legislators. And those legislators who have, you know, been put on the record now are Representatives Zach Fields, Kelly Merrick, and Sarah Rasmussen. So two, Rasmussen and Merrick are kind of these sort of moderate, I guess, Republicans who broke away from sort of the Republican sort of party line and are kind of in the middle somewhere, sort of friends with Democrats, right? And so then Fields is kind of seen as this sort of, extreme democrat i guess even though he's kind of not but he's sort of the sort of antagonist to the administration and and to the right-wing politics so it's kind of this like perfect storm of like you know if you if you wanted to sort of bash your political opponents hearing that the three of them were involved in like a late night party at the gym against legislative rules like
0: of course it's going to be It seems like Like they're having fun and getting along, which no one seems to really like. It's like, you know, that that seems to be the core of the problem here is that like it sort of shows that they're like like in cahoots. They're buddies. They're like, you know, maybe maybe they're politically divergent, but they're friends.
1: And I think that that, like the earlier sort of birthday thing that was like definitely bad taste, like sexist, kind of had some real problems with it. To me, like, Red is the sort of thing is the kind of story that, like, two friends told each other over beers. But that's, like, the thing with Juno is that what happens over beers kind
0: of shouldn't be... Like, um, shouldn't migrate to the floor.
1: Yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. (laughs) I think that's, like, kind of where he crossed the line there. I think it's, like, a funny thing that, like, isn't funny when you tell it. Like... I could go on like a whole Okay, yeah, we're on tangent. a tangent here.
0: Let's let's rope it back in. So so tell me about like let's step back to the ping pong thing. Like why why is this important? Like why why did this suck up so much of the oxygen this week? Like we're doing we're trying to like come up with a fiscal plan. This the state is careening over like slow motion over the fiscal cliff. We've got all these problems that we're trying to sort out. The leg- the end of the legislative session is looming. Why is this what everyone's talking about this last week? Well, I think a couple different reasons first the other person that well before we move on from the
1: other person that was named or there's one other person that was involved in this that i think he's, he's already put his name out there and it's jeff landfield of the alaska landmine so i think that there's like just sort of a slit anything that he's involved in is like salacious already right <laughs> and especially when he you know it, when he comes out and he says oh it's no big deal everyone's just hanging out like i think that is sort of part of it right but i think like one element of it, and there's, I think, there's sort of several reasons why it's kind of interesting, and I think the first is that a lot of people are kind of acting like legislators and people in Juno, or people in session, like never party or never like go out and drink, and it's like the exact opposite. It's like the most sort of wild thing, and I think kind of having, that's the most wild. That's sort of a rude thing to say about Juno, but I think that there's kind of like Uh, of for sort of like these people work incredibly long hours most of them and i think that like the fact that there's drinking going on that there's like untoward things happening in in session is like shouldn't be a surprise to anybody but for some reason i think it is like kind of making it's just sort of so unseemly that i think it's sort of hard to look away from
0: right there's this like professional patina that that is hard to square with the reality of human beings being in the same small city as each other. And I
1: think too and I think too that there's sort of a um I think people sort of faith in the system is sort of at a low, right? And I think people are kind of looking for reasons to to hate on the legislature at any point because right, they like they do have these sort of big issues that they aren't really you know, answering it in, in real neat ways, but, it, but the fact that they're drinking or having, hanging out or whatever is like, that's not the reason stuff's not getting done. Right. right. That is like, that is, uh, that is like directly opposite to the reason that they're getting stuff done. Like this, I would argue that the friendliness between um, representatives Merrick's and Rasmussen, and, you know, and, and, the, and the Democrats or any kind of sort of friendship that happens across those lines is like a very good thing that we want to happen because that like you see kind of the people who are most dug in, Uh, politically are like the least effective right and the other thing i think is really important in this context is just like how polarized i think some of the session is right now i think that these being able to have these sort of relationships sort of cross political lines is really important because i think going into juno it's really easy to fall into the sort of the, the ruts of campaigning right or of like political talk radio right where we kind of all sort of view ourselves in these like opposite camps and it's sort of this zero-sum game where let's like farthest from the truth possible with all that in mind I think it's really important to like look at how the Republican minority in the house is approaching this and this is I think a really important quote from uh, Representative Kevin McCabe he said this at a uh, Valley um, Town Hall as is reported on by the Matsu frontiersman specifically here He's like talking about um, I would I put in uh, sneer quotes uh, election integrity and talking about you know restoring the trust in the elections that they've you know demolished and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. so anyways and so all eighteen of us in the minority agree with that as well and we will do whatever we can to be obstructionist but in the minority in the house that's virtually all we can do is be obstructionist we can put in amendments we can waste our time we can stand up and say exactly what you said what I just said and we all support election integrity so is
0: this um is is the like the long tail of ping pong rage. Uh, an extension of that uh you know like obstruction (laughs) or is it just i think so yeah i mean so what we've had so far is you
1: know there's been several days of you know kind of press about this in from us read alaska right and so i think it it also I i think does speak to like the power at which some of these like outrage machines can kind of like capture our attention right because i think this wouldn't be the same story if not for all these articles that have come out that have kind of been sort of salacious they've used the word like threesome in the headlines right (laughs) Uh, so i think it's a i think a lot of i think it's a reminder that a lot of people read that stuff against their sort of better judgment and so it's maybe a lesson on that end too
0: it's fun gossip, right? I mean like it, yeah, like I wanna know who went to the party and who was like seeing who yeah. and what's you know, like I mean the legislature's always been like that. If I like I I think I come from a, a similar perspective as you is like where I you know, I grew up in Juneau and you see this stuff spill outside of the building. You see People, You know, like I was in my 20s and I'd see people out at the bars and three in the morning. I'd be like, oh, man, that guy's like, that guy's making our laws and he is fucked up, you know, and like there is, you know, but that's just kind of like what people do after hours is what people do after hours. And I think that the with this ping pong thing, the the, um, you know, the main problem with it is where it happened, not what happened. Right. It's like it's 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 that they did this in a, a state building uh, in violation of, you know, the pandemic protocols and, um, you know, everyone's kind of like exhausted and tired of not seeing each other. And it was probably a little bit of a, a pushback against that. It was a space where everyone could kind of gather. And it sounds like, I mean, I wasn't, I I wasn't there, I don't know what happened, (laughs) but, but it sounds like it, it, um, you know, it could have easily just been one of those things where like a couple of people start playing ping pong and then a couple more people show up and then all of a sudden it's like happening. Yeah, summer, I mean I think someone else shows up with some salsa.
1: <laughs> I mean I think that, that is basically my that's sort of my read of it too, actually. I mean I think that more people showed up, some people brought beer, uh, but you know, I think the one of the people I talked to that was there you know, described it as, like, too lame to be a party, you know? Like, too lame to really be... And I, you know, I, it kind of looks like, you know, those old youth group lock-ins, right? Where <laughs> everybody would pile into a gym all night and...
0: That's all I'm going to be ready for once the pandemic's over. Like, I'm, like, going to have... <laughs> I'm going to have four friends over to a large gymnasium and we're going to have a cold yeah. pizza. <laughs>
1: yeah. And there'll be a, a bad magician show up at, like, 2 in the morning. Yes. You were supposed to be here at 8. <laughs> yeah. And so I think some of this stuff is... You know, I think I think going back to this sort of question about, you know, aren't there bigger issues to solve this session? And the answer is like, yes, I would really like to have a durable, long range fiscal plan for the state. But I think the what we're running into is sort of the political reality that like we're just not we just there's not just not the support for it. Right. Yeah. I I think there's the support among legislators. But right now you have a governor who is essentially promised to veto anything that he does, and there's certainly not the votes to override him on anything. So I think there's sort of a question of, like, what is doable this session and, and what is realistic so within we, the the kind of the political pieces we have.
0: Yeah, so we're, so we're kind of, like... In the futility stages of this legislative session, where people are just kind of here passing the time until it's over, because there's not really any way to get a meaningful fiscal plan out the door, because the governor has the legislature pinned in.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a good assessment of it. I think, and I think too, you know, the there's there's also this sort of big question about, you know, the um, the was the American Rescue Plan Act, this sort of one point something billion dollars in federal funds that are coming the state's way you know i think spending money is always more fun than trying to save money right um but the problem with that even is that they don't have they don't really know how they can spend that money and this is sort of been this sort of like ongoing issue with all the sort of federal funds that they sort of pass it so quickly they don't really have the rules for how to spend that money on hand right away and so there's a lot of kind of uncertainty there that they just don't really it's it's sort of like everyone's got the you know everyone's got the board game unpacked and the pieces out but those the guy with the rules is an hour away you know and it's like we can kind of start doing stuff but without knowing how to play the game or how to do it then there's there's just not a whole lot of work you can actually do right now
0: so so in practical terms what does that look like for the legislature i know they want to have they want to have a chance to spend that money and they want to assert their Right to appropriate those funds, and they kind of missed out on that last time. The governor really got yeah. to kind of freewheel and spend a lot of that money before, and they want their shot at that. Um, do they? If they adjourn, are they going to miss out on that, or are they going to call themselves back into a special session, or like wh- what do you, what do you see happening there?
1: Well, they're going to have about ten days actually, so they'll get the they'll get the guidance about ten days before the end of session and then they they can actually extend session for an additional 10 days. So they have about 20 days or so to try to make all of these decisions. They can kind of make some of them ahead of time. They'll know some things. But also there's just kind of the like the actual legal mechanics of how you can prevent the governor from spending some of this money because the state, again, has a very powerful governor who can kind of spend a lot of money without a whole lot of legislative oversight in some certain kind of with some certain maneuvers. And so there's a lot of those kind of questions that are really unanswered right now. And I think that's sort of the frustration with Session is that not only are they kind of not getting stuff done, but even kind of the normal stuff is sort of like plodding along as far as 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 far as like getting you know the not only can they not make the decisions right, or not only are they unwilling to make the decisions, but they're not able to make the decisions that they want to make right now. And so there's sort of these multiple factors that are sort of playing into it that are, it's kind of frustrating. And, it, and I think, you know, I think so on the big element of it, right, the budget's not all that exciting right now. There's sort of these sort of major questions about some of the things, but not a whole lot of actual like answers. <laughs> All right. So
0: today is day eighty-three of a ninety-day session, which is actually a one hundred and twenty-one-day session, which can actually be extended by ten more days. Uh, what <laughs> what is left to be done? What will be done? Um, are we, is it just ping pong from here on out, or are we gonna have? Uh, <laughs> um, or, or is there anything that like we should really keep our eye on?
1: You know, I think the the other the big sort of non-budgetary thing that has got a lot of people people's attention this year is, of course, the election bills, right? This is a big part of national attention. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, people who are concerned, I guess, about election integrity, you know, election integrity issues that they've lied to create, I think.
0: Um, yes, so the circular concern. I am familiar with it. <laughs> yes.
1: And so I think, there's, I think it's fair to be really concerned about a lot of these issues. I think that is almost is, it's a zero chance that any of this is going to get done this year or next year I think the big difference between Alaska and everywhere else is that Alaska has a bipartisan legislature right now if one chamber it's Republican one that's bipartisan so I just think that um, their ability to ram any of these things through is extremely limited or, or kind of really cut off so um, you know we're still waiting on the rewrite of Senator Mike showers uh, Senate bill 39 this is sort of the main uh, the main sort of piece of heartache, I think, for everybody. Um, but yeah, so I think there's like, there's not, you know, as as there's sort of not a lot of air for the budget, even though there's not a lot of budget to be, you know, be talking about, there's just not a lot of like legislative momentum behind a whole lot of things. So, you know, they're, they're sort of around the edges issues, you know, COVID's going to be still a big thing. They're still trying to decide exactly what they're going to do with that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just rattling off things right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fight over you know trying to legislate against vaccine passports you know i could see that being an issue you know i think there's some dumb stuff that can come through but i think for the most part it's gonna be pretty limited this year
0: i guess on another on another note um I'm kind of curious what's happening with the Anchorage elections. I'm not really keeping a really close eye on it. I try to not get sucked too much into Anchorage politics, but it's hard to avoid the impact of Anchorage politics on the rest of the state. Um, You know, Anchorage is kind of this hub city for all all of Alaska and, um, you know, a lot of important things happen there. And so the shape of that government impacts all of us. You know, I think we saw that during the, I think we saw that during the pandemic. They made, Anchorage made some big decisions about mask mandates and about, um, closures business closures that directly impacted the the um, the curve of covid in Alaska um, and and that probably wouldn't have happened under a different government there um, you know what's so I'm so I guess I am kind of curious what's going on up there so um, let me pull up the
1: latest results yeah I think that kind of the sort of soul and progress of the city's sort of progressive movement is really on, on being given a run for its money right now. Um, so kind of in context, I think, um, progressives in Anchorage have sort of been on a winning streak, uh, you know, in the last several cycles. You kind of saw this both um, in the mayoral and assembly races, as well as sort of the legislative races. Um, You know, they switched two uh, seats from Republican to independent or Democrat this last election in the legislature. Um, But so now you have like a really strong, I think, kind of swing back right now that is sort of, straight from the Facebook comment sections of some of these like pretty far extreme groups. And so if you look at the elections right now, um, you know, we're going to be heading to a runoff between um, Forrest Dunbar and Dave Bronson, who's this like very far right kind of guy. That will be on May 11. I think the thing that I'm really keeping an eye on right now as they count votes is going to be um, the seat of the school board races. There, you have um, this woman named Judy Elledge, who's a sort of Republican booster for a long time, um, who has a very long history of extremely bigoted, racist, homophobic, transphobic, anything you can imagine, sort of Facebook posts. She's uh, about one point down right now in her race. So, um, you know, I think a lot of these sort of races is sort of, and kind of you see it in a lot of areas where it's sort of like this really. Can be like a real pendulum swing between political movements, and so the question I think right now is that you know with the pandemic and with every sort of all the frustration, I think there's definitely the momentum to be pushing it back to the right, but you know just how far back to the right it swings is really going to be, I think, the question here. And I think um, if the progressives can really hold on to it all across the board, it's going to be a pretty significant thing. I think when the momentum is sort of most at their most at their conservative side can. These, you know, very far right conservatives win it out, or, um, or can the progressives hold on to it for another year?
0: So, what do you think that runoff race is going to look like? You're going to have Dunbar and Bronson. Um, you know, Dunbar's fairly progressive and has been part of the assembly, um, and then, uh, Bronson is is as you said very far right conservative. What what does that, what does that look like to you?
1: I think it's a, it's going to be. Interesting, I guess. Um, the question, you know, I think... I wrote about it somewhere, but, um, you know, I think if it was a more sort of the traditional... What we think of as sort of a traditional conservative candidate, you know, the I'm for business and small whatever, you know, I think it would be a very easy race for that that candidate. But this guy is very far right. When you right? say that, like, what does this that guy, mean? Like, give me some examples. He's involved in a lot of the... Um, you know, he was kind of one of the guys who's early involved in um you know, outlaw gay marriage in Alaska and then oh. he was involved in that he sort of kind of kind of made his debut in the political scene it's sort of as as I understand kind of back then um very so kind of conservative Christian right, he's sort of been anytime there's sort of these sort of transphobic or um, anti-LGBT issues, he's kind of there. Yeah. So he's so that's uh, that's kind of where my biggest Sort of, you know. So his his
0: activism stems from oppressing people. Yeah, and
1: and then you know, and then so then his campaign, you know, was one of the ones that was, you know, actively holding you know mask free, you know, pictures of packed you know maskless events. You know, he's you know closely tied to that Save Anchorage group. He's you know his closest people are you know Jamie Allard of protecting. You know, Nazi license plate fame. I think, you know, the big concern, I think, for a lot of this is sort of, you know, like what's at stake in this election? And it's kind of it's not necessarily just who sits in the mayor's office, but what, you know, sort of administrative positions they get to fill. Right. You know, how does you know the city government operate for the next three years? Because he gets to pick a city manager. He gets to pick all these sort of positions that you know, dictate how parks run, how the police department gets done, you know, all this sort of stuff that kind of trickles down there. And it's, it's almost like, you know, having them come from this angle is kind of, you know, worrying to a lot of people who've felt like a lot Anchorage has made like a lot of like, you know, some, you know, not a lot is sort of maybe generous, but made some progress on some of these like pretty serious issues with, with homelessness, with sort of equality and that sort of stuff.
0: Right. And there's a there's a huge looming homeless problem of like, you know, what happens after a lot of this COVID money runs out? What does hom- right. homelessness look like? And so the, we're, we're talking about two very different approaches to that problem. Um,
1: I mean, this guy. Yeah. And this guy, like his idea is, you know, basically criminalize homelessness and then chip them somewhere else. So like. <laughs> That's like kind of where this guy's coming from. And so, and I think too, I think like we think of,
0: are we talking about you know, in Like, is he going to ship it out to like, sh- ship I don't, the homeless I don't problem really know what out. his idea is, but you know, <laughs> Oh boy. Um, yeah. Anyways. So, so have you just kind of like done the math of like, okay, these people voted somewhat progressive. These people voted somewhat conservative. Like what, is it a pretty even split? So
1: I think what the progressives have, I think, a point over the Republicans right now. What was really interesting is that uh, Bill Falsey, the sort of former city manager, um, also got in the race. He did. He actually finished. He's finishing third right now. He did quite well. He got 13 percent of the vote. And so the question is, you know, is, you know, does Falsey and Martinez voters, do they go to Dunbar to sort of the moderate voter moderate conservatives f- that voted for Bill Evans about 10% of them do they vote for the extreme right Bronson or do they vote for, for Forrest or do they not vote at all and i think that the not voting at all could be like a pretty high number this time around if given the chance i mean i've heard i think that the conservative sides are much more far much at, they're they're in actual policy they're much further apart i would say that on the progressive side of the ticket they're Pretty close in policy, but like almost like politically much further apart. Because as I've kind of been learning, like the Anchorage sort of progressive scene is this sort of like odd kind of infighting sort of bunch who sort of let like the recent years of like success sort of get to their heads a little bit. You don't get any credit from last election, right? Every election is like a new election to lose, is, is sort of the way I look at it. And I think that you look at a lot of these races, and I think that. You know, the the level of, like, quality of uh, campaign staff, all those sort of things, like, just isn't maintained between election to election. And so you can see, like, precipitous fall-offs. You can see it in um, Fairbanks, for example, where they had, like, a years and years of, like, progressive success. And then everybody moved to Anchorage, and they all lost, like, the next year. And it's just sort of, like, this sort of knowledge and ability to campaign is just, like, kind of not really... I think they just sort of assume that they want, you know, like Anchorage is turning blue. We, we we see everybody in the national media talking about how Anchorage is going to be this blue, you know, bastion, turn Alaska Democrat, right? And did you see the you one know, where it,
0: this guy was talking about how it's going to spill out into all the areas around Anchorage?
1: I know it's just wild. It's just like, but so, but I think like. I think that the 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 far right activation is a lot stronger than we think it is. I think that churches are becoming much more. Some of these far right churches are becoming much more politically engaged than they have been in recent years. Well, I I, um, I don't
0: know. I mean, like Anchorage Church scene has always been kind of a big contender. Like the Jim Minnery crowd has been really yeah. Like, but I would say like I would say that elections.
1: they're flex. I think they're flexing their muscles in a way that they haven't necessarily in the same way.
0: Maybe I don't know. I mean, like I I. I feel like that's always been an element in Anchorage, and like maybe it's actually less powerful today than it has been in the in the past.
1: I, well, I think they're I think that they're meaner and louder than they have, been, <laughs> like, with like, maybe a smaller base of support. I mean,
0: that's getting back to that thing you read about the minorities. Like the, the the more you fall into the minority, the meaner and louder you get because that's all you've got, right? You you become yeah. the obstructionist, and so you've got to like yeah. conjure up some fear of like election integrity, or like you've got to you know you you've got to manufacture outrage, you you <laughs> because yeah. that's you you don't have the power so you make the noise right
1: yeah well you know you look at you look at um you know so the the whole anger over the um over the the, over delta and and coke and all these other companies that are talking out about the georgia voting law right um you know i think that like they're talking about you know penalizing these companies we should you know dunleavy got involved too we should cancel mlb right yeah
0: oh my god um that's amazing what did dunleavy say about major league baseball
1: He said that, yeah, we we should look into their antitrust protections or something like that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Which is, I mean, which is like from a like open for business conservative is so goofy to like, yeah, like I I love all business unless it doesn't love me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And well, I think it, it speaks, I think, to the sort of thinking, the sort of greater picture here. Right. Is that I think in a lot of ways, this like extreme far right sort of politics, which is, you know, if you kind of boil it down, it's it's. You know frequently racist or, or or bigoted or and it's with a you know with the biggest priority being you know rich people's tax breaks right like there's there's, there's no there's no constituency right for mega tax breaks you know it's not if that's your only position you, you're never going to be able to get that passed but by combining it with a sort of like outrage, there's something there. And I think you start to build a constituency for something that's otherwise extremely unpopular. And so I haven't really like got this thought all the way together. But, you know, I think the fact that you see companies like Delta and Coke, and all these big companies get involved in this issue and say that like voting rights to them are important Mm -hmm. is, I think it says a lot in that they know where people are going, right? Like they're not going to do anything that's bad for business because they have to rely on people buying their stuff. They can't, they can't, you know, Coke and Delta can't gerrymander, uh, the consumer market into buying their stuff. They got to convince them to buy their stuff. Whereas these like Republicans have sort of found a way through gerrymandering through these sort of like scare tactics to basically like continue to buy themselves time as the politics and the demographics and all this sort of stuff is shifting out of their favor and to me, it's like really frustrating. I think that's like exactly what's going on right now is that there's like this rampant fear that is so effective at, at kind of getting. I mean, I don't know what Dave Bronson's like real political like plans are because he doesn't talk about it. He's doing the dumb Levy thing too. But you know, I think. But you know, if you're afraid of the homeless people, if you're afraid of you know co- the you know government, if you're afraid of vaccine passports, then you can you know he's you've got a candidate in him. And I think that. It's, like, so, like, frustratingly manufactured that I think it's, like, this is kind of, I think, what we're going to start to see more and more as we go forward is, like, extremely small, little substance from the far right with, you know, with escalating... uh, kind of scare tactics to 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 buy themselves some time yeah
0: yeah i there was a really interesting segment on marketplace um uh uh, it came out about april i think it was on april 1st actually and it was um it was an interview with um two black executives um ceo of Merck and the ceo of american uh former ceo of american express and their efforts um to basically push back against these kind of um, election laws that disenfranchise voters. And um, it was really interesting to me to see, um, you know, that, you know, we've created a a system where now um, people of color are emerging as leaders of these businesses, and that's having an impact. And those businesses are serving Mm -hmm. people of color, you know, like, as we slowly start to weed out some of the separatism and racism in 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 our economic system and in our you know in our corporate culture um you know and it's not it's not solved it's not fixed but you see people in positions of leadership and that's a start and like now those people in positions of leadership are using that power to to leverage more opportunity for other people like that's it's a very slow and probably unsatisfying for many people like it's 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 a long game but it's good to see that kind of progress emerging yeah um, but yeah, I, I think you know that's that's something we've even seen on a small level here in Alaska with like Alaska Airlines trying to do that dance of you need to wear a mask, um, and you know doing the the Laura Reinbold shuffle of like okay we have a mm-hmm. we have a prominent senator in Alaska who is a who is an anti-masker who's fighting a battle with us in public, um, and we are going to just continue to politely ask people to wear masks. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 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 it is interesting to me to see these supposedly pro-business um republicans get on the wrong side of business
1: yeah i mean i think it it, it's the i think a lot of it you know going back to this sort of this party ping pong party right is that you know they are they are better than anybody at manufacturing outrage over stuff but i think what happens is that i think i think you know, people are exhausted uh, by this. And I think, you know, I think there are people that are so far down the rabbit hole that we may never get them back ever. But I think there are a lot of people who are pretty deep into that system of thinking. Right. And I think um, I think we'd be surprised by how many people get their news from, you know, primarily from must read or primarily from Facebook. Right. I was really interesting article I think, by NBC News recently about how uh, a town had a Facebook page instead of a newspaper and how they basically led to an unending uh, fear of, you know, murderers and serial killers that just weren't there. Right. And Mm -hmm. it was just this sort of thing that was created by this sort of sort of weird system of groupthink and people believing everything they read on the Internet. And so I think, yeah, I think I think people would be surprised by like sometimes like to know what sort of news people are consuming yeah. and how they're consuming it. Um, I, I
0: can talk about one of those fears that that isn't there uh, actually that, that kind of came to light recently is that there's this there's this narrative right now in in, in the anti-masker circles that uh, there's been a huge mental health toll as a result of, of making people wear masks and, and oh, yeah. waves of people are committing suicide. The number of people in Alaska in 2020 who committed suicide declined. Um, it was lower than than two of the last three years and lower than the last three years on average and that's from statistics provided by the department of health and social services and so like the the narrative just doesn't like the thing that they are spun up about just doesn't even exist and and you can't, and and I could I could show this, these numbers to someone who's like bought into this and it wouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. They're just, well, you don't, you don't know. Or like those people had just, <laughs> like, yeah. Or there,
1: you know, and then yeah. It ranges from like conspiracy that, you know, they're just trying to suppress the numbers or what, you know? And I think, I think it's like really frustrating to be able to, or to try to like reckon with that. I think a lot of people ask like, well, how do we fix it? Like, what's the way to fix it? And I was like, I don't, I think if anybody knew we'd be doing it right. Like, meeting these people trying to you you know trying to talk to them about this stuff is just like it's hard to get through on this sort of stuff and and yeah
0: i don't know i think in alaska in alaska it's like the way to we have a better opportunity to fix some of that than a lot of other places because we are so interconnected you know like like i always you know i've got friends who are electricians and and plumbers and uh you know carpenters and Lawyers and and all you know they, like the spectrum of, of occupations and and uh, political beliefs and um, and that's a necessity in a small town and I think that that's true throughout most of Alaska yeah. and that in in those ways like the more exposure we have to each other you know it it is it's good for us right to understand where people are coming from and to understand that they're human and that they you know like maybe want to have a beer and play some ping pong. <laughs> and yeah. and that we can kinda do that occasionally without um without too much harm.
1: Yeah. And I think I think too, I think I think we sort of have a knack of of painting the other, what we think of as the other side with like a really broad and really rigid brush, I think that I mean, we you know, do I that for sure <laughs> we, we do that for sure, but like, you know, they, they talk about you know, people who are are supportive of masking policies, sort of the sort of health policies, as if we like it right, as if we love this sort of idea and as if we are just trying to ruin everyone else's fun, it's like, if you listen to anybody who's been doing any of this, it's like exhausting, like everybody hates wearing a mask everybody, like the idea that we, some of us could get together and have you know salsa and 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 beer and play basketball in a gym for a night like sounds awesome what's it like a, a, a small group of friends that would be great
0: so we talked a little bit about the anchorage elections and i do want to kind of wrap wrap this episode up sooner rather than later but i'm yeah. curious um what you think about uh the uh the Senate election, like, uh, the, n- the new candidate has emerged and surprise it is Kelly Chewbacca who is the c- former commissioner of, ad- of administration here in Alaska. Um, so, uh, we, we, we as a state paid $81,000 to fly her and her family here. Uh, and she quit partway through and now was going to represent us in the Senate. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, you know, I think this is one of those ones where I think people need to take this race really, really seriously, because I think to you and I and a lot of people who are paying attention to this stuff, like there's so many things that seem extraordinarily disqualifying about her, Uh, you know, the way she run the Department of Administration, the roads regulations, the sole source contracts, the, the moving fees that are really questionable, all this like political and sort of religious sort of connections I don't know how much that really matters in in some extent because you know how how salient can you really make an attack on someone that where where you have to first explain procurement law you know in Alaska like procurement law is this and this she she broke it she didn't follow procure and so it's like I think that in the sort of emerging world of like disinformation and like you know millions of dollars of political advertising I just I wouldn't count on being able to say, like, she broke procurement law in several areas being, like, the thing that is a nail in, in her campaign's coffin, right? And so <laughs> I would just – anybody who, like, thinks that this is going to be an easy race for Murkowski or whoever or if Democrats can pick it up or whatever because of the whole new election system, like, I would just say, like, be careful. Like, be – don't treat it that way because, like I said, you know, elections – every election is an election to lose, right? And so I would just say, like – if you feel that this person shouldn't be it and you think you know exactly why just don't count on that message being salient with the majority of voters so or or them even hearing about it right because these are like issues that have been primarily like delved into by like me dermot cole you know i would i would guarantee that our readership combined isn't much more than ten thousand people so like and you know there's however many hundreds of thousands of voters in alaska and so I would just like be really careful on that thing. Just thinking that it's going to be an easy race. I think that ballot measure two is extraordinarily interesting here. I I can't like wait to see how this sort of like plays out. But again, I just don't think that we can take it as a done deal in any sort of way.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm I'm glad you mentioned ballot measure two. I'm really excited to see, you know, we have a top four primary now. And so I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. I, I really want to see, other serious candidates, you know, instead of having yeah. the the typical kind of also rans I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see Democrats come up with a real candidate, you know, to, to run in this race. And mm-hmm. I think there's been, you know, years of just kind of throwing people at the wall that are kind of sacrificial, you know, or, or, or even not having a candidate and sort of ceding that ground to someone who's more of a moderate Republican. Right. So, um, with, with all of that off the table, I think that it's the responsibility and the duty of progressives in Alaska to actually find someone to run for that seat. Who's going to be able to speak to their issues. Um, and like, will they do that? I don't know. Like I really, (sighs) like, I, I feel like I've, I feel like I've grown more progressive in in the last several years, and I feel like um, it's really scattered and disorganized, and um, it's hard to tell who's making decisions about what, or, or you know, and, yeah. and so I don't, I don't know what's you know, I don't know, I don't know that there's going to be someone to emerge, or if it's just going to be kind of a, a random selection of of folks that sort of like throw their name in the hat, you know. Al Gross, Bear Doctor. I mean that's 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 a possibility. Yeah. I could see Al, Al gross running yeah. for that no, seat again. I, I think um, but, but he's not a he's not a you know, he's not a traditional progressive. He's that nope. he's that independent candidate that ran as a middle of the road candidate. He didn't he he wasn't supportive of of uh, you know, progressive issues like Medicare for all and um No, he would be
1: another Joe Manchin right now, wouldn't he?
0: Yeah, he would be another yeah. Joe Manchin. So, what do you you know, what do you what do you do on, on that side of the street for, for Alaska, I'd love to see people run someone that's, you know, I don't want to see, I want to see someone that's not Mark Begich, not Al Gross. I want to see someone that's an actual, like real Democrat. I'd love yeah. to see that for like the first time in my life, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think,
1: I, I think, you know, I, I honestly too, I think that would be an interesting question, right? I think that, you know, just as, you know, there are more and more progressive people, I think there are a lot of people who, truly are in the middle of the road who don't feel like they're particularly well represented by either side. And, um, and I think having some nuance where, I think what my hope would be too, is that this would allow some room for like policy discussions or some, you know, actual kind of meaty discussions about those sort of issues where you say, you know, how are they on fiscal policy? How are they on healthcare policy? And like, and, and that, and actually having some choices, right? Because it, yeah, if you like, if the race is between Murkowski and Kelly Shabaka, like that's not much of a choice, right? Like I kind of think that's sort of why I wrote a piece about why the Anchorage election is really boring because there isn't really much of a choice. Like you're either going to get Forrest Dunbar, who's like kind of a whatever progressive, right? He's just sort of the latest sort of in that mold, or you get this extremely far right, like social bigot, you know, who's, who's, just like completely abhorrent in a lot of ways and so it's like not there's not a there's not a decision there to me at least like either either you know how you're going to vote because there's not there's a huge gulf of differences in them. but if you have a ballot right where you have murkowski you have a, a moderate sort of independent you have a really far left progressive and you have really extreme right kelly shabaka like i'm not going to vote for shabaka but of the other three, I might actually sit, sit sit down and how do I rank them one to three? Like, that's an interesting thought, you know? Like, how do you sort of, like, yeah. do that? I mean, I think, like, the more and more – the I think the Anchorage election for me really encapsulates, like, why, like, first past the post, you know, winner take all – is like a, just this really reductive doesn't have a lot of room for nuance in that system. Right. Because you got to vote against the guy you don't, you got to vote for who you think is most likely to win. Right. right. You have to be strategic in your voting <clears throat> and here there's, you know, and rank choice doesn't completely erase it, it, it but it, it, it's
0: yeah. Yeah. And, but ranked choice voting does actually erase a lot of that strategic voting. Like there's the um I've read some papers on, on this and strategic voting is, is, essentially eliminated under rank choice voting what emerges is strategic candidacy so there might be mm-hmm. a possibility that um that maybe they'll try to run someone who's who's farther right than uh chewbacca to try and make her appear like a moderate so if you mm-hmm. can get sarah palin to run that's actually really good for for kelly chewbacca or if you can get um if you can get joe miller to run like that that could help her out a lot
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting yeah i mean i think uh, anything i mean the system now doesn't seem to be super great so any difference will be interesting yeah Mm
0: -hmm. all right well let's call that and let's call that a day um uh it's been nice chatting with you matt good catching up yeah goodbye alaska see you guys later